Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Wednesday evening, where we continue our reflections into both the life and thought of one Pope Francis. Life, where he's uh, at in the news and thought, uh, we are considering the joy of the gospel, this exhortation on the new evangelization. Um, in the past few weeks, we have been focusing in on this this fun topic of culture, and so we will continue to reflect and add on to some of our subject matter from the past two weeks on culture, and specifically uh, what the role of the Holy Spirit is in this work to evangelize these cultures. So, where is Pope Francis in the news? Well, if you have been tuned into well, any major news media outlet over the past week, the point of discussion has been uh, Pope Francis saying that uh, animals go to heaven, uh, and that Paul said, St. Paul said that animals go to heaven, um, and, and a, a whole slew of other things. But I, I really want to focus in on what the media was saying as it relates to animals going to heaven, because I think we have a unique case, actually, in what the media was reporting, unique in that it it really was as sloppy as it has ever, ever been before. And uh, it is Wednesday, so I will be talking about what the media thinks Pope Francis is saying. <laughs> Enjoy the gospel with Bob Cross. Bob, it is great to have you with me another evening. Thanks, Joe. Always great to be here. So, uh, Bob, Pope Francis um, making this statement that animals go to heaven. Did he actually say that? You know, it's so funny. And we every week we usually have an example or we, we address the fact that the media is real um, cavalier about the way that they like to portray different things that the Pope says. But this one really takes the cake because it's not just about, you know, he supposedly said, you know, that animals or pets go to heaven and then all the networks are abuzz about it. But, you know, if you really break it down and look at what happened, not even he didn't even say anything of the sort. No, he didn't. And, and so, again, we, we talk about, you know, just misquoting or, you know, embellishing or or uh, writing what they think they want him to say. But this is just an entirely, entirely different set of circumstances, which drives home even more to the point that the media is just really uh, um, irresponsible. They are. And the challenge for all of us who are serious about getting to know what Pope Francis is about, Bob, is to, well, get to know what he actually says. So, We've pulled up, I think, an excellent blog, Jimmy Aiken's blog. He does a wonderful job of going through systematically from one week to the next and from one month to the next what is actually going on in this narrative, this Pope Francis narrative. And sometimes he addresses other issues, but he, he often goes to Pope Francis. And so we're going to work through this a little bit. Uh, and so as to just appreciate <laughs> what we're talking about right now. He has, Jimmy Aiken has seven different points. And the first one is, what is being claimed? And among other things, Pope Francis has declared that all animals go to heaven during the, his weekly audience in St. Peter's Square. So that 
is what is being claimed. Uh, the Pope made these remarks after he received two donkeys as early Christmas presents. During his discussion, Pope Francis quoted the Apostle Paul as he comforted a child who was mourning the death of his dog. Francis quoted Paul's remarks as, One day we will see our animals again in the eternity of Christ. Paradise is open to all God's creatures. So that's what is being claimed. Yeah. <laughs> also in his weekly uh, audience in St. Peter's, uh, Francis quoted the Apostle Paul who comforted a child who was crying after the, his dog died. One day we will see our animals again in the eternity of Christ, Francis quoted Paul as saying. The Pope added, paradise is open to all God's creatures. Again, that's the source. Right there, we have multiple reasons to be suspicious of the story. But he, here's the thing we have to appreciate here, Bob, that the mass population, Christian and Catholic, will hear this, and because they're not informed on this pontificate, on this man, who we have been talking about, Pope Francis, they will simply take it for what it's worth, especially when they start quoting Scripture. Uh, We just were not familiar enough with it to be able to identify what is actually being said. Jimmy Akin says there, well, that should be enough, and I think it is for some of us, but far too many uh, are, are not versed up in Paul. And so we hear this and we say to ourselves, as someone said to me yesterday, oh, Joe, I didn't know Paul said that about dogs. You know, and so this is what we're left with. But it's an opportunity to, to evangelize and catechize on, on matters of the faith. Sure. Then it's, you know, why do we have reason to be suspicious? First, because common theological opinion has always held for, you know, centuries that the souls of animals do not survive death. So that's the first thing, you know, that... Uh, we should be questioning. And then secondly, because this is just the kind of sensationalistic story that the media loves to get wrong. Third, because we have the same words being attributed to two different events. The Wednesday audience, at which the remarks were allegedly made, occurred on November 26th, but the donkey giving event occurred later. Fourth, because the Apostle Paul never wrote anything comforting a child who was mourning the death of his dog. Anybody who has read his epistles knows this. Mm-hmm. And there you have it, really. I mean, what more could be said? <laughs> I mean, this isn't even close. You know, in, in some of these reports, Bob, it's like throwing a dart at a dartboard. You know, okay, it's one thing to not hit bullseye and to be maybe outside of the first cylinder. It's a whole other thing to not even hit the dartboard. Now, this is something that's not even close. Yeah, it's not even, it's, it's one thing, yeah, like you said, to be out of context, not even close. So there's only one passage in Philippians where St. Paul refers to, it, to dogs, and there he isn't comforting a boy. He's using the term as a way of referring to people who do bad stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so. Fifth, St. Paul certainly never wrote that one day we will see our animals again in eternity of Christ. Paradise is open to all God's creatures. It's just not in the New Testament anywhere. Bob, you are in communications. Mm-hmm. You are involved in, in journalism. And you were talking earlier that you had a recent experience where you were feeling the pinch of being uh, not only misinterpreted, but misrepresented a little bit. Well, um, yeah, just two days ago, um, I have a a client that's a real estate client in in Reno who sold a very, very large property. It's a a property that was owned by the Harris family, and it's a $32 million property. It's 120 acres, and everybody in, in Reno in the market knows of this place. It's called Ranchera. And all the media was over it. We, we sent out the press releases early Monday morning to the newspaper and all the television stations. And it was within less than an hour that it was posted on the, the Reno Gazette Journal's website, um, the story. And they had taken 
facts out of the press release that the plan called for. Uh, didn't even give the number of homes that were going to be developed in this property, but it, they went and, and inserted 715 homes are going to be de- developed into mm. this property, and we have no idea where that even came from. So it's just like it wasn't anywhere in any of the press releases that we sent out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the newspaper just came up with some number, and we have no idea where. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just a real-life example that within an hour of actually releasing something that you put in, in a very, very careful pattern, um, the media will just come up with something that, uh, I don't know, I don't know where it came from. Well, and it's interesting because it was also this past week, whether this was intentional by Pope Francis or not, I don't know. This past week, he challenged just not journalists, as we have talked about in the past, but Catholic television networks. And he said, point blank, report the facts. Report the facts. Don't make assumptions. We have talked about the sin of journalism, and uh, the grave sin of journalism is just not the misinformation, but the absence of information. Report the facts. Uh, If Catholic television networks don't get it right, if Catholic journalism does not get it right, then how in the world are we going to expect, Bob, uh, secular journalists and secular television to get it right? We need to set the example. And it's on this note that the very popular author, speaker, uh, novelist, George Weigel, had a few things to say as it relates to what we're talking about now. Sure. I think it was um, yesterday afternoon. You know, he comes out with an article just after we were talking about Jimmy Aiken's article on, on almost the very same subject. And he has not come out as, as strongly about the misrepresentation sometimes of Pope Francis the way that others have. And, you know, he even calls out a... Um, a Catholic source, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Yeah, he did, an Orthodox Catholic source. Mm-hmm. And he said, we, we just, <laughs> we can't get so far ahead of ourselves that we're missing the details, and we're missing a lot of details. And, and this is part of the sin of gossip. We've talked about the sin of gossip here on this program a, a great deal. But uh, if you're not working with the truth... And all you have is secondary sources. This has become a point we've talked about now a great deal Wednesday evening, Bob. You're just going to be cl- clutching at empty space, okay? And so know the facts, know the truth, and remember, always remember that no matter what you are hearing, it doesn't take away from what God is calling you to do. It doesn't take away from the vocation that that God, Bob, has entrusted to you and I and all of our listeners out there. Part of the the manipulation of all of this from uh, Satan, the adversary, is to get us entangled in it so that it takes us away from our primary vocation, whether it be to be a husband, father, a mother, wife, a student, whatever you are called to do, embrace that vocation and and know that Pope Francis isn't getting goofy on us. With that, we are treating joy of the gospel so as to appreciate this vocation, and we are in, what here, Bob, paragraph uh, 116 in this, uh, this sub-chapter, uh, People of Many Faces, where, again, we are talking about culture. So this is what Pope Francis says. In the Christian customs of an evangelized people, the Holy Spirit adorns the church showing her new aspects of revelation and giving her a new face. Through enculturation, again, remember what we talked about last week as relates to enculturation, the integration of the gospel message within the life of a community, 
Through enculturation, the church introduces peoples together with their cultures into her own community. For every culture offers positive values and forms which can enrich the way of the gospel, is preached, understood, and lived. In this way, the church takes up the values of different cultures and becomes, I love this from Isaiah 61.10, Bob, the bride bedecked with her jewels. And in paragraph 117, he goes on to say, when properly understood, cultural diversity is not a threat to church unity. The Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son transforms our hearts and enables us to enter into the perfect communion of the Blessed Trinity, where all things find their unity. He builds up the communion and harmony of the people of God. The same Spirit is that harmony, just as He is the bond of love between the Father and the Son. Okay, let us pause here, Bob, and ask a question. When we love someone, what do we do? Man, for countless ages, goes out of his way to buy jewelry and the like to adorn their brides, huh? From princess to emerald to oval-cut diamonds to topaz to opal to ruby stone, we empty our bank accounts to bring forth the splendor of our brides, do we not? We could say that love has a way that seeks to be constant in adorning beauty with more beauty. Why am I talking about this? Well, what is the Holy Spirit? but the love shared between the Father and the Son. And, and, and not only a kind of love, but perfect love. And in that perfect love, she adorns the church with her many gifts. And these gifts come to us in the form of the spiritual gifts, yes, the gifts of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, piety, fear of the Lord, but also in the richness of her people, the church, the bride of Christ. I mean, the Holy Spirit groans, as Scripture says, to bring all people unto herself, because always and everywhere, the nature of love is binding. And as the Holy Spirit is the, the binding love between the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit aches to bring the whole people of God to share in the mystery of the Trinity. Why? Because she seeks to adorn the Bride of Christ with more beauty, more people, more cultures, right? This is what we're made to see. And this is what lies at the heart of, of what Pope Francis wants us to be thinking about as it relates to a people with many faces. Sure. And, you know, you think about all the different types of cultures and, and how they can all come together through that, through the, through the Blessed Trinity, through the love of God, through our, our shared faith. And, you know, just as you're describing all the different jewels, you know, every culture has its own way of adorning. You know, mm -hmm. it has its own gems, so to speak, or its own way of showing that love. And it, and it really becomes a very, very beautiful thing rather than, than um, um, dividing us by having different cultures. Um, it's, it's actually a very unifying type of thing by virtue of how we can, in our own special cultural way, show our love for God and one another. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really, um, it's a very, very beautiful thing. And I think it's what makes, you know, the faith so special by virtue of the many cultures that contribute. Yeah. And it's again, to remember, what does the word Catholic mean? Universal, it, cosmic, cosmos. Well, <laughs> where do we get the word cosmetic, but from the beauty of the cosmos, we spend 
a lot of money in the world of cosmetic surgery. And if we only understood that the real beauty that God is concerned with is the beauty that comes from within and is a sharing in the gift of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is concerned with, of course, bringing us into personal relationship with the inner life of the Trinity, and at the same time, in doing so, beautifying uh, the wonder that is the universal church. So, uh, very important. And I think there's a tendency today, Bob, to hear the word multicultural and to steer away from that because we fear what we do not know. And what we are called to do as evangelizers and as catechists and, and as sons and daughters of God is to get past that fear and to begin to appreciate and understand what these cultures are, are all about so as to then evangelize. And this is what Pope Francis is after. If we were to go into, let's see, this is the tail end of paragraph 117 into 118, he says, evangelization joyfully acknowledges these very treasures which the Holy Spirit pours out upon the church. And then, interestingly, he goes into a reflection, and he does this throughout this exhortation, Bob. He kind of cites bishops from different countries throughout the world. He goes to the bishops of Oceania, which I think is important because certainly it's highlighting everything we're talking about right now, this diversity. He says, the bishops of Oceania asked that the church develop an understanding and a presentation of the truth of Christ, working from the traditions and cultures of the region, and invited all missionaries to work in harmony with indigenous Christians so as to ensure that the faith and the life of the church be expressed in legitimate forms appropriate for each culture. We cannot demand that peoples of every continent in expressing their Christian faith imitate modes of expression which European nations developed at a particular moment of their history, because the faith cannot be constricted to the limits of understanding and expression of any one culture. It is an indisputable fact, Pope Francis says, that no single culture can exhaust the mystery of our redemption in Christ. Amen. Beautiful. Part of this task, Bob has us taking a step back. We talked about the virtue of recollection the other day. <laughs> Recollecting and discerning all the right things to say wherever we may be. Yes, Christ's truth is absolute and unchanging. But here's the key. We do not give peaches and cream to fish, right? We have to appreciate, as we talk about this language of indigenous, we have to appreciate the local habitat the local community, the place from which those who are evangelizing come from, so as to bring the truth of Jesus Christ, yes, that truth which is absolutely unchanging, but, but bring it to them in a way that they're going to understand. Bring it to them in a way that they're going to take, right? Again, the fish is not going to be interested in peaches and cream. Okay, so we have to challenge ourselves in that moment and be ready and willing as as evangelizers and catechists to engage, in this case, the people of Oceania in that moment. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm just reflecting a little bit on a couple of weeks ago, we were uh, talking about Pope Francis and his address to the, <laughs> the European Parliament and how he even um, characterized Europe as being sort of tired or worn out. <laughs> Yeah. Haggard. Haggard. A haggard and fertile grandmother is what he said. Yep, yep. Exactly. And it's, it's so, this Pope understands that 
you know, the real, the real fire of evangelization is taking place in other places in the world, and he wants to bring that to light. And that's, there's a reason that he's talking about the bishops of Oceania here and where this evangelization is taking place in cultures around the world and not just poor old haggard Europe, mm-hmm. the way it's been done for, has been the model uh, for, for, you know, centuries. You know, Bob, as you're talking there, I'm really struck by something right now, and it's a bit of a paradox. If we are that person that finds what we are talking about right now difficult to understand, that is, being able to uh, bring down that which is so incomprehensible to make it comprehensible to a particular group of people, uh, maybe we should draw back and consider the United States of America within the context of how Pope Francis talks about it, an indigenous country. And by that I mean, let's turn this around, okay? How many times have you gone to Mass where uh, maybe a priest came from another nation? Uh, you know, where are their vocations exploding across the world? Certainly we see it in various nations in Africa. Uh, we see it in some sectors of South America, Central America. There's areas where vocations are, are flourishing. The Philippines, uh, certainly we've received some vocations from the Philippines. How many times have we gone to Mass and we have found it difficult to understand? Okay. Now, it might not be because the priest who has come to the United States doesn't understand American popular culture. Okay. And this is more of an analogy, if you will. But... And the whole idea of making fluent, making fluent the language of faith so as to make it comprehensible, maybe we should think about it this way. Because there are many of us in the United States of America who have gone to Mass, and the priest was preaching with fire, with passion, with ardor, and we were moved. But we couldn't quite understand what he was saying. Because of that, it might not have touched us the same way. Not to take away from the priest's fire passion. I'm just thinking of myself growing up in a parish where there was a priest from Sri Lanka and a priest from Ireland. Even the Irish priest had a pretty strong accent. The priest from Sri Lanka, I could hardly understand him. I was never able to engage as a teenager what he was saying. He was excited about the faith, but maybe if I understood him better, I'd be able to be more engaged. Okay, in a similar way, Bob, in a similar way, And it might not be the accent, if you will, but the fluency that I speak of here is what comes through in understanding a culture, where they come from. Do your homework. Okay, so if I'm going to go and preach in in Oceania, get to know more about that culture so that my preaching might come through in a way where it might be more comprehensible. Maybe an image I would use the United States or an an analogy or a metaphor that I'd use in the United States of America doesn't work in Oceania. You know, Bob, we have talked in the past, uh, within the context of the new evangelization, the need to be creative, huh? The need to evangelize the imagination of the peoples. Well, if we're going to do this well, what Pope Francis wants us to see, and Benedict XVI, and certainly St. John Paul II, is we have to be well-educated in the history and the backdrop of the people that we are speaking to. Why? Because... Well, what I just said, you know, that image, that metaphor, that analogy, it just might not work for a particular indigenous people. Now, am I talking about uh, those truths of our faith that are unchanging? 
or maybe insights into the faith that in of themselves, they are just universal. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying simply is we have to challenge ourselves to be able to go deeper so as to reach into the heart of man under the influence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And what a better way to do it than to reach into the history of that group that we are speaking to. Widely, widely important. Sure. You know, and you look around the world, and as you mentioned, some of those areas where the new evangelization is really, really um, in full full swing and full force. And it's just a, it's a beautiful thing to see. And these cultures, again, um, are, are different and diverse, of course. But, you know, the one thing that, that is not different is the fire in which um, you'll find Mm. at the heart of new evangelization and the fire of the Holy Spirit, you know, working through it. <clears throat> it's There's a reason the Holy Spirit allowed this this man to become Pope, mm-hmm. the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's uh, because this is this is a Pope who understands that, who is kind of a, comes from the outside, you know, from, from some of the margins himself in terms of where he first was formed. Yeah, that's right, Bob. And I think it is important to note Uh, the importance of God electing a particular person in the stream and current of time, huh? Pope Paul VI was the right man for that age. Uh, Carol Wojtyla, John Paul II, a man who understood enculturation, was the right man for the 27 years of his pontificate. Pope Benedict XVI, our emeritus pope, the man from Germany, he was the right man for that time. And now we have a man who... God called from afar, as Pope Francis himself said it on the balcony, huh, to bring to us more insight into this very subject matter that we are talking about, not in spite of the previous popes, but in light of their writings. He continues to unveil, that is Pope Francis, along with all the other popes, the wonders of the mysteries of God and what we are called to be present to in a particular time in history. And that is so, so important as we're reflecting upon this exhortation on the new evangelization. And lastly, Bob, you said it as it relates to the charisma, the ardor. Make no mistake about it. This is the first principle of the new evangelization. Because when you talk about ardor, you talk about the fire and love that one has for God. And out from that fire, out from that love, our lives glow glow with fervor, glow with joy. So it is. (laughs) I'm thinking of our local priests who hail from the Philippines and Mexico. As they work on their fluency, they both bring a fire and they draw us in. And God bless these wonderful men, these wonderful pastors we have in our local community. Because what I do want to make clear is that Part of the wonder and part of the mystery is the way in which God has called providentially our local priests who hail from the Philippines and from Mexico to be here in Chico, and how we are called to be open to better understand who these men are, as they, every day, in their priesthood, embrace the vocation, embrace the call to understand who they are called to just not preach to, but ultimately in their whole priestly ministry how they are called to bring us into the sheepfold of the church, and in doing so, make us disciples for Christ. Huh? Amen. Let us close with a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.